Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. The Knicks are finally in that familiar position. It was weird last year when they were in the playoffs, and now they're in the much more familiar position of being uh, closer and closer to officially eliminated. Last night, Trey Young, who's now in the, what do you want to call it, the Reggie Miller role, right? Well, he calls himself Reggie Miller 2.0. Yeah. He put on a show at Madison Square Garden. I mean, sadly for Knicks fans, this has been familiar over the last, you know, since the Patrick Ewing era, basically where you're just waiting for – you go to MSG to wait for some star from out of town to put on a show. 45 points in a 117-111 win over the Knicks. But, guys, was this Trey Young, Jay Key? You hear Trey Young throwing shade at Knicks fans? Listen to what he said after the game on the booze at Madison Square Garden. Were the booze as loud as you expected them to be tonight? Nah, nah, I couldn't really hear him for real. It, it wasn't even that loud, to be honest with you. Is that shade at Knicks fans? It's not that of loud. Of course it is. This is real basketball. This is real basketball. What are y'all talking about? Like, we're on a show with, with Key, and, and Key, like, look, if you spoke to Key, Key would say something back to you, and it would ignite a fire. I'm the same way. This is who Trey Young is. Nick fans, Nick players, you understand what this is as soon as he was coming into town. It's a reason why it was sold out. Now, I will tell you, last night I heard a lot of Atlanta Hawk fan cheers. That was weird. And also got to, what are we doing, Tibbs? What are we doing? Are, are we developing young talent, or are we just trying to play our older guys? Like, why is Todd Gibson, and I, I like Todd's, like, I need Obi Toppin to be playing in the fourth quarter. Like, develop your young players. I, and I, I don't understand the direction of where we're trying to go with this team. And we could talk all day long about Trey Young, but I think it's more of the foundational aspects of what the Knicks are doing, where I'm like, well, what's going on? What why, are we trying why? to accomplish, Key? Why is Tibbs still the coach, though, man? I just don't get it. And got, got an extension. How about that? No, I, that's, I, that's what I'm alluding to. And I don't feel like – I understand Madison Square Garden. I understand Knicks, New York, all of that. I don't think it's going to be a destination where top dudes want to go as long as he's the coach. Bingo. Because if you're looking at it and you're looking at what he's been able to do and how he's been able to do it, that ain't sexy. Don't nobody want to be dealing with that. And as far as the Trey Young thing goes, just go back to last year's playoffs. Just look at that. It, it, it look at the way he came into that arena and dominated last year. Gee, you hit it on the head. When did the Lakers get LeBron, right? When they were like, okay, we're not – when Jeannie took over, they brought Magic Johnson. Oh, oh, that's a place I can mess with. The Knicks need to create the kind of culture and atmosphere where stars around the league go, yeah, I, I could mess with that. But, Jay, here's the thing. Key just mentioned stars going to L.A. That brings us to Zion Williamson. Now, are the Knicks going to get stars without warts? Meaning this guy's in his prime. He's 27 years old, and there's not. That's going to be hard. So, yeah, Zion's got some stuff. Injury history, you know. He's uh, has an appetite. <laughs> but he's tried to keep a low profile on social media 
while rehabbing a fractured right foot that has kept him out the entire 2021-2022 season. Zion, who as a 20-year-old averaged 27-7 and seven boards at a, at a very high p- uh, efficiency rate, by yep. the way. Yep. But, but the whole low-profile pro- thing, Jay, changed on Tuesday night. Zion posted a five-second clip to his Instagram story showing him at the Pelicans facility, throwing the ball off the backboard, catching it, going between his legs, finishing with a left-handed slam. You like that because, hey, look, I'm getting healthy. I'm trying to excite the fan base, or you got a problem with that? I don't want to see Zion Williamson showcasing himself on social media. I want to see his ass on the floor. I want to see Zion being a beast on the floor. And I, and I get it. Like, everybody promotes what, where they are, what they're doing on social media. I understand it, but I want to see him on the floor. Durability is what you worry about with Zion Williamson. Now, if you're asking me if the Knicks is an interesting destination, yeah. I mean, look at the history. Zion Williamson has always talked about playing in Madison Square Garden. And I think that him and R.J. Barrett on the same team would be dynamic. But I think there are a lot of foundational things that have to change with the Knicks. I hear them talking about what moves will we make in the offseason. Jalen Brunson, I don't want – it, we need a, a guard. Is that, is that Jalen Brunson? I mean, I like Jalen Brunson for $20-plus million a year. I'm not sure. But maybe if you have Jalen Brunson, you have Zion Williamson, you have R.J. Barrett, you start acquiring young pieces. You still have Emmanuel Quickly. So have Alec Burks. You, you have to develop in that capacity. But show me some direction with where you're going. Like, give me some targets that we should acquire or go after that are sexy to a degree that want to be here in New York. It's going to be Duke North, Key. Why not? Yeah, it, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, look, man. Okay, Jay, I'm gonna ask you this because when Zion came into the league, and we had the conversation, and I said eh, it's a little more glorified Blake Griffin to me, and you almost bit my nose off. Is he? Is he all that when healthy? Is I he, think he is key. Is he all that when healthy? Is he going to? Take the Knicks to the promised land. Key, I firmly believe if Zion Williamson didn't have a history of injury, now it's hard to – you can't really separate the two because one is associated with the other. But if he were healthy, I do think he is a franchise generational talent. Hey, let me ask you this about Zion, guys, both of you. Think about this for a second. On the one hand, like, Key, I hear you about Zion. When I see someone do something at 20, you you have one of the best efficiency rates on 27 and 7 – at the age of 20, sky's the limit, right? And this dude can jump out the gym. New York, in its history, the Knicks have never had an above-the-rim superstar, ever. Never had an above-the-rim superstar. And you know what, Zion? What do you think about this? The New York fans who will get on you if you don't hustle, if you're not good. Maybe Zion's what New York needs, and New York is what Zion needs, Jay. Why? Because... Because the fans in New York, it's like what happened to Ben Simmons is going to make you or break you, right? So with all that talent, he could excite New York, but also they might stay on him on, in a way that it's hard to go off the, you know, off the right path. I but I've been in New York, and I played in New York. And if you're not mentally tough and strong-minded, and the people around you are mentally you. tough and strong-minded, they'll crush you. I've watched many players come to New York thinking that they can embrace New York and it ain't nothing and this, that, and the other, and they wind up being a shell of what they were prior to getting there. What is it it about it? What is it about it? There's a certain person, individual mindset that you have to have when going to New York. 
because it's 24-7, seven days a week, all day, all night, whether it's the press, whether it's hanging out, going out, clubbing, dinner, restaurant, playing sports, working out, traveling. It's every single day. Mm-hmm. It ain't. This isn't Colorado. This is not Definitely Carolina. Not yeah. This is not Carolina when restaurants close at 8 o'clock. It's just not it's not like that. The pace. So you've got to be able the pace is crazy. And you gotta be able to handle it. The media. Jay, Zion, good or bad for the Knicks? I mean, look, I I think it's a headline name, but like I like I'm trying to tell a headline name isn't gonna fix everything for the Knicks organization right away. No, but maybe if it was Zion and the other name that's bandied about is Dame, maybe if you had Duke North with those young up and comers plus a veteran leader like Dame Maybe that would be a different situation. But, see, I don't think I, – I, I personally, just from knowledge, don't think that Dane want to come east. Yeah. Uh, but that – I mean, people change their minds all the time. From what I understand, that's not really what he's trying to do is come east. Tim Legler giving the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Legs, what do you think about Zion on the Knicks? You know, it's, it's funny because I've been talking about this a lot this year, and I keep saying to people, I just want to see Zion – play basketball first what I before said. I start thinking about like his impact on another organization. You know, I, I'm, I'm very concerned, genuinely concerned, regardless of the video that's out there with this dunk that he did that everybody's talking about. I'm just concerned about this guy having a career, to be, to be honest with you. I just want to see him have sustained run of health somewhere. And then maybe I can start to project where he ultimately could have an impact or what might be the right fit for him. I got to see the guy play basketball for a long period of time first and have an impact. We saw glimpses of it last year. We know what he's capable of. That's not a career. That's just a, that's a flash in the pan, what we have seen to this point. So that, that's how I answer that to people. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be great to see him in the garden. It'd be electric. But is he going to have a career first? That's what I want to know. Legs, get nerdy with me for a second. All right. What did you see last night from the Knicks? What's wrong with the Knicks? Man. Let, let's go into it. Like, yeah. really, like, let's have a basketball talk. Yeah, you it, it's – they're so, they're so demoralized so quickly within adverse moments in a game. That's what I've seen all year. When you watch them play, I think they come with the right approach. And as soon as things start to go badly for them, that's when you start to see it just unravel before your eyes. And they just, they're deflated. And I don't know if it's the pressure of what they did last year and being a great story and, you know, they – they gave us a building again in the league that was a, you know, probably the best place to watch a basketball game last year. And so now coming into the year, you go, okay, wow, they surprised us. Now automatically there's going to be an ascension. And when that didn't happen at the start of the year, I don't know if the pressure just was too much for every single guy top to bottom. And, you know, even, even the coaching staff feeling that pressure every mm-hmm. single night. But when I watch them play, that's what I always feel. They get deflated when things start to go south for them and they don't know how to really com- dig their way out of that. Carl Anthony Towns and I went to the same high school, and I've got a chance to you know, talk to him over the years, and I would hear these stories about how Tibbs is just like relentless in his approach and can wear people down and break it down, and guys get tired, and sometimes guys check out. Now, I'm not saying any of the Knicks check out, but like I, I, I get lost on trying to understand what's the game plan. Are you trying to develop young talent? Obi Toppin starts last night, but he doesn't play in the fourth quarter. Like, or are you trying to win now? Like, it, did they make the right decision with extending him for another no, year? No, I hear you. I hear you. And I love Tibbs. But I think that for this particular job and this group of players that you were going to be asked to win with, I don't know that necessarily that was the right fit. 
because he he's the guy you hired because you want to win right now. You're close, right? We've got a team that's a you know 44 and 38 ish type of team. We're a playoff team. We're probably a first round losing playoff team. You bring in Thibodeau. Let, he's going to get that extra 15% out of what we do defensively that's going to push us over the top, and we're going to be able to max out now who we are and, and obviously continue to add pieces. When you come into a situation that some of your main guys are like this young and do need to develop, I don't know that that's the right fit. And, and for Thibodeau, it's not the right fit as well, not to mention for the players. So I think that's a fair discussion to have about him. And the results we got last year, we thought, okay, this is the guy that's going yeah. to be able to do this. And I just think they, they couldn't take that step forward this year because the expectations were too much for them. And, and Lex, so how will this affect the Knicks long-term as they get into the offseason and free agency and trades and people eyeing New York as a place they want to play? Great question, Key. And I think that's been the problem for the Knicks here in any time in recent memory. You know, they always used to be that team that came up on the free agent tours the Knicks, people were going to stop in on the Knicks when those four or five teams were pitching to those superstar players, and, and you don't hear them come up anymore. Uh, they just mm. don't have the same juice, the organization. And I don't think that's because of Thibodeau. I just think it's because of the state of the organization and how long this has gone on with little blips here and there, and last year I think being more of a blip than anything. So I, I just don't think it generates the interest amongst those top-tier guys. Obviously, I me mean, Kevin Durant to me is the – greatest example of that you know people thought he was headed to madison square garden he ended up in new york just for a different franchise <laughs> and, and his his manager his business partner rich Kleiman, is the biggest new york nick fan there is in the history of sports so that's a big one but like names like bradley bill i heard that kind of like linger around obviously has a torn ligament surgery on that in his wrist but i'm hearing names like jalen brunson john wall is it more suitable to think that next tier a free agent instead of like that higher, higher tier. Of I think line? I think so. And look, they've they've had some high draft picks, and you know, th- those guys you have to hit on. You can't be in the lottery in the top seven in the draft like you know several years in a row and whiff on any of them. It sets you back. You've got to hit on those picks. So th- they've they've added some young talent, but now you're right. It's going to be that second shelf. Yeah. Those are the guys that are now you've got to build around, and you need more than one of those. Obviously, you need multiple guys. On that level, you giving RJ Barrett an extension? Is he like like a big extension? Is he one of those guys like a not Luka Doncic, but like you know that type of extension for the, the numbers he's been putting so up? So here's how I'll answer: I probably wouldn't, but that's mm. not the way the league works. Mm. He's going to get it because he is that guy on that roster. RJ Barrett is the whole key to everything. Yeah. If he develops into an All Star, the Knicks have something. If he doesn't, they're in the same spot they're always in because he's he's Tim. He is very young, also. Uh, to be put, to be starting to put up these numbers, um, Key. I wanted to ask you something about New York because you brought it up before. You came to a New York team, obviously that stunk because they were drafting number one. What <laughs> right? What is that like for a player coming not just to the pace of the city which you brought up, but to a bad team? So when I got drafted by the Jets, you know, I obviously thought I was getting ready to turn everything around. I, you know, they because I felt in my own ability that that I was getting ready to at some point take them to the Super Bowl on my back. But through the grace of God, we we got a guy who you know named Bill Parcells, who landed from New England. They went out and got the right guy. Once they went out and got the right coach, and he made the right moves and brought in the right people. We started to attract people that wanted to come play in New York. We turned things around fast. 
because of the right coach. It started with the right coach who had control of the organization. He was the president, the general manager, essentially the owner. He did what he wanted to. He had all autonomy to do what he wanted to. And I think when you have that, you have to have the right person in place to be able to attract certain people, and then you just start winning. That's just what it is. In terms of basketball with the Knicks, they got to get the right guy. If you get the right guy, and you know this, Tim, people will come. If you get, if you don't have the right guy, for instance, in L.A., the right guy is LeBron James, right? Like, he's hey, he's right going to attract whoever. Yeah, he's the right guy. <laughs> but, Zion but if you get the a, right guy, that's yeah. what it is. Zion would be a big attraction at first, and the question is could New York rub off on him in a way that would be – helpful for him right like could right. They, and 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 as he said they'll either make you or break you Max, in new this york. never happen huh but john morant would be the right guy in new york since you bring up john morant john would earlier, be the right guy, the right oh, guy. Yeah, oh my god john morant in new mm. york city oh. the pitch to a guy like that is do you want to be the biggest star in sports in the world yeah and he right? seems like he does mm-hmm. yes he so so you brought up kd before too jay this is what kd had to say by the way, the Nets play the Grizzlies tonight on ESPN as you know, part of Memphis Grizzlies All Access. Tip is at seven thirty PM. Um, there's coverage throughout the day, including NBA today at three PM uh, on ESPN, uh, live from Memphis. Now the Grizzlies won't have Ja tonight, unfortunately. But this is what KD said about KD said about his impressions of Ja. He's a combination of players. Um, I feel. Um, I think the greatest players in our game can transform into anybody at any given point. And I think Jaws on the way to that. I mean, I see, like, when he playing, I see, like, two or three, four different Hall of Famers in this game, you know, from Iverson to he might make a Jordan-like layup or he might run down the court like a Westbrook or D-Rose. And I don't want to gas him up too much since we playing against him. But you got a future Hall of Famer at the head of the snake. You know, he just makes everybody better. Ooh, Jay. I mean, he's... Look, the, the whole transformation thing, two legs, yeah. it, it was only a couple weeks ago where he was, Joel and Embiid in here were talking because I heard him on this podcast and he was saying, Joel was like, look, man, I could, I could transform into Hakeem. I could transform into Shaq. I can transform into like Kobe. So understanding that process where he was two weeks ago and then to apply that to John Morant, it, it goes to show you how I don't, John Morant's not afraid to play against a Stephen Curry. Yes. He's not afraid to play against a Kyrie Irving. Where most players these days are like, Hey, how you doing? Like, he's not about that. He's like, I'm not shaking your hand. I don't give a hell who you are. We're talking trash to you, LeBron James. Please, this is what we're all about. That's why his mentality is so special. He's got an anger and a toughness that I absolutely love. And I love the people that Kevin Durant threw out there. I think he's also got some Kyrie in him Mm. because of his ability to manipulate the ball in the air and the way he finishes with either hand around the rim. (laughs) That reminds me of Kyrie. The Westbrook, Derrick Rose, those are obvious. Um comparisons so I think when you put all of that in one body that's what he is and to me I just his approach to it every night the fact that he doesn't care where he's playing or what it says on his jersey or what market he's in he wanted to get to the league and ball and be the best player in the NBA and he does it every single night so picturing him in Madison Square Garden oh, is fun that's what's crazy it's no fun one to think about no one hey, that legs. get ahead key no I was gonna ask legs can he keep can he um Keep this up with his size, though, long term? Yeah, I mean, that's the, obviously the fear. You're 175 pounds soaking wet, you know, get hit when you're in the air and landing in awkward positions. I will say this. He has improved his ability to fall. It's almost like he went to stuntman school or something, right? He learned how to fall <laughs> off buildings. And he even mentioned it. Like, he practices how he lands because he knows that many 
that many times you attack, that many times you get hit at that weight landing, it's a matter of time before you break a wrist or you do something horrible trying to catch yourself. He actually practices his ability to deflect hits and land on balance. So that's a good question. I mean, time will tell, but there's just something about him. You know, guys just have it. Yeah. John Moran has it. And so you, you think this guy is going to be you know, one, one of the greats. There's never been a guy his height or below perennially Maybe here or there you could oh, Iverson should have been, or this one, who's been the best player in the league, right? And, and the one guy that KD brought up that I love that he did is MJ. Not only does he have that kind of competitiveness, MJ had this thing where he went up in the air, and it looked like he was still climbing the air. He could just stay. Ja does that. Yes. He's got hops. That's insane. He uses your body against you to get extra leverage around the rim. It's a very unique talent, and it's just it's, it's elite level, like absolute Top of the food chain, athletic ability. AI did shoot the ball, not not well, but it, it shot. And no that, doubt, that's where John Moran, the, the next iteration for him, so he doesn't put himself in harm's way. Like that's what we talk about with Zion too, right? So only so many times you can attack the rim with reckless abandon. And here's why yeah. he's going to do it because he's already added a six to eight to ten foot floater. Yeah. You think of how many floaters he shoots. That's all to avoid that hit at the rim because you can get that shot off. You know, anytime you want to. The next one is going to be. Can you knock down 18 to 20-foot pull-ups off a ball screen, off an ISO? Yeah. Like, that's still not necessarily in his wheelhouse. He can make a three when his feet are set. Mostly it's at the rim, but he added the floater. The next step is, let me add a Tony Parker pull-up, and now you got to find a new league. Thank God this guy exists. He didn't have to exist. You know, I, I just feel lucky <laughs> that, that he's here now. Jaws something else. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as... The Lakers host the Sixers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Thanks, Legs. You got it. Speaking of superstars in New York, are the Jets and the Giants about to get theirs? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. Key, you remember when this song dropped? Absolutely. <laughs> so fresh. <laughs> so fresh. All right. Matt Miller is back with us, guys. What's going on, Matt? Thanks for having me back. Well, thanks for Hanging out with you guys back. all morning. That's it. Yeah. Hanging out all morning. So Malik Willis shines at Pro Day, and the idea that 
teams fall in love with pro days. I mean, like, I'm the sucker. Key's the one telling me, Max, you can't get too excited about pro days. I'm like, I don't know. He looked good to me, Key. He's running around out there throwing bombs. And Do you believe what's happened, um, that, that that's what happened with uh, Evans' beloved Jets last year, that, that Zach Wilson had a good pro day and he zoomed up boards, and that could happen with Malik Willis this year? So I don't believe that's what happened last year, Max. The only reason I'll say that is I was there at Zach Wilson's pro day last year, and I, I walk in. It's my first pro day for ESPN, and I'm I'm trying to like you know say hi to people because you know we hadn't seen anyone in, in like 15 months because of COVID. And the Jets front office, Zach Wilson's dad and Zach Wilson's agents were all huddled together in a group. And I know people from each of those, you know, the Jets and and the agents. So I walk over to say hello, and you can tell they're, like, in the middle of a conversation. You know when you walk up and you know people are talking, and then they have to be polite. So you'd be like, oh, hey, how's it going? Please leave so we can continue this conversation. And Zach Wilson's dad stayed with the Jets guys you know, the whole time. Joe Douglas, uh, Mike LaFleur was there. They stayed with, with Zach's dad the entire pro day. So I, when, when we left Provo, I was like, Zach Wilson's going too. I'm guaranteed. So I don't think the pro day is why the Jets fell in love with him. I think that fell in love with him because of you know, what he did last year during the the regular season at BYU. You know, he didn't have a ton of talent around him. I think the Jets saw a guy who could elevate their team, you know, with his arm strength, with his, you know, mobility, how he could keep plays alive, that he could survive without, you know, a great receiver, without a great offensive line. Now the jury's out on, on if that's true or not. But I don't think the pro day is the only reason that he went number two. Yeah, I, you know, when I when I look at it, though, and I saw that all the Jets were there and they were basically, like you said, it was already a done deal before it was a deal done. And yeah. everything that I thought about Zach Wilson at the time came to fruition last year for me, which was, can he stay healthy? And guess what? His rookie year, he got hurt. And so that's the big question mark for me. The throw at a pro day, he put decent film on at BYU. He beat USC in his career at BYU. He looked okay. He still has narrow shoulders. He's still slight in his frame. That's never going to change. We'll just have to wait and see if he ever will become a top five, six quarterback in the NFL. Because when you go number two overall, at some point in your career, you need to be in that top tier guy uh, category. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I think that was, you know, I wasn't super high on him last year, Keith, either. You know, I thought Justin Fields was better. I thought Trey Lance was was arguably in that same area as him. But it, it does go back to the can he stay healthy. Last year we saw he couldn't do it. I think right now something that helped Zach is the Jets had the second worst roster in football last year. You know, the Houston Texans, maybe the Detroit Lions. I mean, it, they were they were up there as one of the worst rosters. So what this year we're going to see is, okay, is Mekhi Becton dialed in? You get, you know, year two of Elijah Moore, year two in, in LaFleur's scheme, Michael Carter in the backfield. At some point, kind of like we're seeing with, with Daniel Jones, at some point you run out of excuses. You either elevate and you become Joe Burrow where it's like, okay, you got, you got some of the pieces around you. Now you're in the playoffs. Now you're in a Super Bowl. You either elevate or you don't. And I think that's one thing about the NFL right now that we saw this past offseason especially. You're either the guy or you're not. And if you're not the guy, teams are going to move heaven and earth to get the guy, right? I mean, Carson Wentz got traded. Like, Carson Wentz yes. wasn't good enough. Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough. These teams are trading guys who were, you know, former number one, number two overall picks because they're not good enough. Jimmy Garoppolo, not good enough. So, like, Zach and, and Daniel Jones and guys like that, like, they better show up this year or 
we've seen short leashes. Like the guys are replaceable at a clip that's much faster than it used to be. Matt, every once in a while, I like to gamble on games, like the gamble on players. I would bet that I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy in your mind. By every once in a while, Jay means every day. Every day, yes. I, I kind of yeah. have a problem, but the first step is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> admitting you have a problem. Do you think Daniel Jones is the guy, in your opinion, from what you've seen no. thus far? No, he wasn't the guy when they drafted him. Like, I'm not one of those dudes that's just going to stand on my pre-draft opinion. I will change my mind. If I'm wrong, I'll come on your show and be like, hey, y'all, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was not wrong about Daniel Jones. I had a third-round grade on this dude coming out of Duke. I just – I don't get it. The turnovers – he's the same guy now that he was in college. Interceptions, fumbles. It, it's just the same thing with him. And now you've got the neck injury. I love Joe Shane and Brian Dable, and I, I think they're a very good duo. I just – I think they, they got a bad quarterback right now. And, and it'll be interesting to see how long he is the quarterback there, especially – peeking ahead at next year's quarterback class it looks pretty good uh i would be interested to see just how long daniel jones is the quarterback before we see tyrod taylor because i i mean to me he's just he's not the guy and he wasn't coming out it's not his fault he got drafted too early it's dave gettleman's fault that he got drafted too early Mm. because he fell in love with him at at the senior bowl so i don't blame daniel jones he's he's solid but he's not good enough just because the turnovers because of you know i mean he's regressed He's gotten worse every year. That's terrifying when you're a young quarterback. The year, your rookie year was your best year. That's supposed to be your worst year. And for him, it was his best. So that that's all a big concern for me. Matt Miller, ESPN NFL draft analyst, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Matt, Mel Kuyper had his mock draft come out. And uh, with, with the fifth and seventh pick, he had Evan Neal from Alabama, OT. And then he had Kayvon Thibodeau uh, from Oregon. I, First off, I want to know, what is your opinion on Kayvon? Is he the right selection for the Giants if he's there? But if he's not there, would you see the Giants trading back in the draft for a guy like Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa? I do think a trade back is, is definitely possible, and, and we can you know we could spend a lot of time on that. But I think with Thibodeau, he's an interesting player because three years ago, I can remember watching him as a freshman and being like, I cannot wait to be able to evaluate this guy. I can't wait for him to be draft eligible. The talk on him has kind of quieted down over the past few months, I think. Some of it is he got hurt week one. He gets hurt, ends up in a walking boot. And I, I think, like, Keyshawn J., you guys were great athletes. You were high draft picks. You understand that when you get hurt, I think it's natural to be like, ooh, business decision. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to be a top three pick. Guess what I'm not going to do? Go crazy for a, an Oregon team that's probably not going to win the Pac-12. So I think he throttled down a little bit. It's very hard for me to judge that, but I do think he is being unfairly criticized due to it. Now, are there some deficiencies in his game? Absolutely. But there are also some strengths in his game that I think make him a great fit for the New York Giants. I think he, as a stand-up pass rusher, you're not finding anyone else like that in this draft class. So if, if they're going to run that, you know, Wink Martindale, he's going to want stand-up rushers. Thibodeau is the best one in this class. So if he's not there, you know, I don't think that Trevon Walker is a great fit for the New York Giants coming out of Georgia. You know, he's 20 pounds heavier than Thibodeau. He's more, would be more of a 3-4 defensive end in this scheme. So I do think that if, if if at five you go right tackle and at seven, if Thibodeau's not there because of David Ojabo's injury, you're probably in a good spot where you can trade back and either target Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the pass rusher, or Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, and you can still get pretty good value. Maybe let someone come up for a quarterback, and then you're in a good spot to get another player. Matt Miller high on what Thibodeau could bring to the Giants' pass rush. Key – may feel differently 
And that's coming up on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, brought to you by O'Reilly. Matt, can you stick around? I need you to stay right there. Absolutely. I'm not going anywhere. Think O'Reilly <laughs> Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. They're close, convenient, and known for guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Key's thoughts on Kayvon Thibodeau. Will he be a giant? What does that mean? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max back with Matt Miller, who just talked about how great Kayvon Thibodeau was. And by the way, a couple months ago, I'd have been like, oh, the Giants are going to get Thibodeau. Okay, fine. Him and an offensive lineman. But doing this show with Key every day has turned me around. You heard what Matt Miller had to say about Kayvon Thibodeau. You can focus on the stuff he doesn't do well, but the stuff he does well justifies the ranking. Key, your reaction. Get him, Key. Well, uh, no, it's not a get him. I think it's, I think when, you know, I think when you look at him again, I have a little more, probably a little more knowledge about him as a player. He started at my high school at Dorsey Hyde, and he transferred to Oaks Christian. He goes to Oregon. His rookie, his freshman year, he was insane as a freshman. He he pretty much is is like Daryl Stingley Jr. at LSU. Had great freshman years, but never really took off from there. And I think when you talk about the Giants and, and Martin Winkdale, the defensive coordinator that came over from the Baltimore Ravens, they're looking for Matt Judon. They're looking for Terrell Suggs at that position, a stand-up guy that can go bend the edge Von Miller. Like, I don't know that he gives you that, especially 100% of the time. What he is is he's a phenomenal chaser from the backside. He will certainly close and go get. He doesn't take on the blocks nearly as well at the point of attack that you would like from a stand-up guy. But he could, much like you said, Matt, be reserving things, knowing that he's a top pick, and I'm going to kind of just – you know, battle my way through these things. And then when I hit in the NFL, then I'll start to show exactly what I can do. But he is no Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa type. He is no uh, Chase Young. Some of those guys that can do some amazing things that play that same position. Oh, no, I agree with you there completely. Like, 
I have him ranked number 10 overall on my big board. This isn't even like a player that I'm like, oh, he's my number one or he's my number two. I'm with you, Key. And I think the the question for the Giants or the Jets or whomever drafts Thibodeau and Derek Stingley Jr., right? It's the, who am I getting? And if you have turned it off to protect your your value, can you turn it back on? You know, I I think that is one of the the biggest question marks right now. And a reason why you're seeing guys that, if two years ago I told you, hey, Derek Stingley Jr. and Kayvon Thibodeau might fall out of the top 10, you would have thought I needed drug testing. But today, <laughs> five weeks before the draft, like that is, that's a reality for those players. And a lot of fans get upset about it and they, they clap back on Twitter and they'll comment on things. And be like, but I, Kayvon Thibodeau has not played much the last two years. Derek Stingley Jr. has only played 10 games the last two years, has not had an interception in two years. So I do think with them, there are question marks. I would go back to it and say, if you can – if you can get it to click, if you can light that fire and say, okay, you're a professional football player now, it's not college, we need to see all the tools, then I do think that he can be like – he said, he's not built like Terrell Suggs. He's not built like Matt Judon. You know, he's, he's 6'4", 255. He's, he's not the biggest guy. But I do think that he can give you that quickness. And in this draft class especially, you know, there's not that big stand-up rusher. You know, a lot of the guys who are 6'5", are also in the 270s. So they're probably going to project more as a down player. That that could be where it's interesting for the Giants, where you have Aziz Ojolari, who was drafted by a different regime, by the way, but he's going to be your smaller speed guy. Finding that pair for him might be, might be difficult in this draft. Oh, as a Giants fan, the thought of maybe trading back because people like Malik Willis and picking up uh, Linderbaum and something else and also maybe getting Evan Neal. Oh. Forget Thibodeau. I love it. Look, then there's the Jets. Mel has the Jets taking Drake London fourth and Sauce Gardner tenth. Those are two name brands in this draft. Um, let me get Sauce. Matt's thoughts in a second. Sauce. Key, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Jets taking an SC wide receiver top four in the draft? Well, last time they took one that was pretty high, he turned out pretty good. They screwed it up by trading <laughs> him away, and they haven't been the same since. That's why he's still looking for a big receiver. Um, I, I think when you when you look at Drake London coming off, he'll, he'll be coming off an ankle injury. He hurt that late in the year. Ex basketball player, high point of attack guy, high football IQ, very physical. Not as fast, top end speed as you would think, but that's okay in the National Football League because Zach Wilson and the Jets need a red zone target. They got Elijah Moore in at a position at the receiver position, so you need another big body. I think. Four is a little high. If they, if I'm the Jets, I'm looking for a at Wayne Crebet type. You were looking for a Wayne Crebet type in this draft somewhere. <laughs> well, Wayne wasn't drafted, so if you can find the Wayne, if you can find the Wayne Crebet in free agency, you better grab him. Yeah. I think um, when you when you look at Atlanta sitting at eight, that might want a receiver. If you can stay in front of them and move down, pick up some extra picks by moving to six, maybe seven, and still getting Drake London, I think you do that. Yeah, Keyshawn, I'm with you. And I, I, I love Drake London. He's my top receiver in this draft. But I, I do think that four is a little rich for him. Mel doesn't do trades in these mock drafts. That's kind of the disadvantage we're at. Um, but if you, I think if you told Jets fans, hey, you're going to walk out of round one with a, a wide receiver one and a corner, uh, your starting corner. Like you feel pretty good about that. The biggest question, though, is what is the deal with Mekhi Becton? He played one game last year, and I know early in the year, Jets fans were defending the guy. Like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be back. End of the year, even the front office is coming out being like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So I think he's the wild card right now is 
do they feel like they need to draft an offensive tackle? You got George Fant on one side who's solid. You know, they've protected or invested, excuse me, the middle of the offensive line. You know, last year, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, they're bringing in uh, Lakin Tomlinson this year. But it all hinges on that left tackle spot because if they don't believe in Mekhi Becton, you got to stay at four. You have to draft Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu or Charles Cross to be that left tackle of the future because as much as Zach Wilson needs receivers, I think you could be okay with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. What you can't do is not have a left tackle again. He Guys, has to have that backside protection. Why do you think – because we're talking about uh, uh, Drake London in the top four or maybe not the top four, whatever, but all the best wide receivers in the league right now are second-round picks. So I, like, I'm just curious, Key, Matt, do you guys have any theories why that is? It's just the luck of the draw. Why are all the best receivers second-round picks? Well, I think what happens is in the National Football League, people get enamored with speed. And a lot of the yep. guys who go in the first round, they run well, extremely well. And the guys in the second round are real football players. That That's what you want. You want football players that can actually play. If you look at the 40-yard times of those guys that you're talking about, the Michael Thomases, the Justin, well, Justin Jefferson won the first round. But if you're talking about like Michael Thomas, my nephew, for instance, he's a football player. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, a football player. Right. Their clock speed is not going to be crazy, and, and, and people get caught up in the 40. That's absolutely right. And Michael Thomas, I loved Michael Thomas. He was my number one receiver coming out of Ohio State in a year where like everybody told me I was wrong about him. Uh, I like to think that that, you know, uh, record setting season he had proved that I was right about him at least. But I, I think Keyshawn's right. First round is, oh my God, you ran a 4 2. But that's how you draft John Ross over Michael Thomas. You exactly. Know? That's how Corey Coleman goes in the first round. I exactly. do think that evaluators are getting smarter that a guy like Drake London could be the first receiver off the board, even though he's, you know, 6'5, 210. And maybe, he, I mean, he's not even going to run a 40 because of the ankle injury. So I do think we're getting smarter. But having said that, you know, Chris Olave ran a 4-3 at the – or 4 8 or whatever at the Combine. It's going to push him up boards. That's just the way teams think. And I, I think this year's receiver class is unique in that like, everyone ran fast. So even this year, but, you know, the guys that are going to go round two are, are still so fast. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's hey, the old – Mark, ahead, uh, Keith. Let me ask you this, Matt. You mentioned Chris, Chris Olave. Is, is he um, – Will Fuller? Uh, that's yeah, yeah. That's not a bad comp for him because it's not big, not super explosive, but straight line fast. I think he has better hands than Will Fuller, but yeah. a, a similar build and speed, absolutely. Yeah it's, yeah, it's interesting how the old Al Davis model, right? Just get us the best athletes. It's not necessarily wrong, but athlete means more than just how fast you can run in a straight line or how high you can jump. You know. Do you bend at the hips? Can you make adjustments? Can you get low? Can you do all types of stuff that, that are athletic but aren't measured the same way, right? I also just want Will Fuller to stay healthy, Key. That's the biggest thing for him. Will Fuller? Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you, Matt him. Miller. Appreciate you guys. All right, New Matt. York has seen enough of one superstar. That's next. On Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. 